Aloha. Welcome. It's good to see you. Well, I can't see you, but you can see me. My name is Alex Alexander, and I'm making a video today about um, this fellow whose name is Alex Hormozzi. How funny is that? Alex and Alex. And so I, uh, I found a bunch of clips from a video uh, of his that he did today. I made a couple of clips so that I could talk about um, what he's talking about in his marketing and what I'm putting into my business. And so this is kind of a review and kind of a, uh, letting you know exactly how kind of like a case study, uh, because I'm showing you exactly what he's talking about and exactly how I'm putting it into my business. And it's been phenomenal, phenomenal so far. So, uh, some of the stuff that he talks about, we were already kind of on the, on the track of, you know, I'd already been working on some of these concepts for a while. And so now um, he's put some of these. Uh, okay, so let's back up and talk about it for a minute. This guy named Alex Harmozzi, he makes YouTube videos and they're about some high level marketing and business strategy equations a lot of times. It's really interesting because tons of people are about mindset and all this kind of thing. And mindset's really important, but this is more like logistical mindset, like business the, the, the part of business that actually has to be done. There still needs to be a mindset to that part also. And so a lot of that, uh, it is like a next level of personal development and mindset and business. And I've really enjoyed watching his videos. So I'm going to, like I said, I was already on some of the same track of what, uh, what he's up to. So there he is <laughs> funny video to start with. But uh, anyway, I'm just going to play some of his videos and I'll pause throughout and talk about how that's getting into our business. I have land here in Hawaii. That's what we do. This fella sells gym memberships and gym coaching and coaching courses, how to improve being a better coach, like a real estate coach or a life coach, you know, some sort of a business coach. He sells a course. Actually, that's that's wrong. He doesn't even sell a course. He gives away these free videos about how to make your uh, coaching business way, way better. Well, what I thought was interesting is the coaching business, the models that he uses for uh, financial analytics go for kind of like uh, uh, monthly sales, like memberships, subscriptions, gym memberships. That's what it's kind of uh, towards. That's what it's marketed towards. And so I've been approaching our real estate business with that sort of a model. And it's, I haven't, found anybody else that's been doing it that way. And it kind of, um, it just fits specifically. I talk a lot about our niche, what we do specifically in ocean view. And it's quite a bit different than almost anybody else anywhere that I've found. We have this one specific kind, this one specific avatar, which is avatar is like the customer. We have this one specific customer, one product that we're really specifically good at. And the other great thing is it's a product that not a lot of other people are interested in selling. And we found a specific way to offer it to the market and give a really high value for how much we can charge. And a lot of that we were doing kind of instinctively and wound up kind of falling into a pattern of a lot of what he's talking about for marketing. And so I kind of have been incorporating the rest of what he's talking about and like I said, it's working really, really well. Recurring uh, revenue businesses, kind of like uh, subscriptions and, um, you know, like I said, business coaching, um, stuff like uh, also kind of like subscriptions, like uh, those those boxes you get, those monthly boxes you get. 
I know Fuse.com, they have one where you can get a box and snack, uh, snackhawaii.com has one where you can get a box of snacks. And the other one is like a box of membership, like a monthly membership of bikinis from Fuse Hawaii. So there's all different. I mean, look at the range of, of physical products from bikinis to snacks and then from digital products like coaching and, and time with a coach. This all applies to monthly recurring revenue service businesses. And so, like I said, I treat our business like a monthly recurring revenue business, and it's worked really, really well. We've are well, well, we'll go into what he's talking about. And like I said, he's got some great points and I'll show you how we're putting it into our business. Here's Alex Ramosi. It's like, how can I, how can I make it so likely that they are successful? How can I get them to be successful in half the time? And how can I do it so I can eliminate effort and sacrifice? Okay. So like I said, we sell lots of land. We sell agricultural land on the side of Mauna Loa in a humongous agricultural subdivision called Ocean View, Hawaii. And Hawaiian Ocean View Estates is uh, the largest subdivision in the world. It's 11,501 acre agricultural lots. Every lot is one acre. So we have this different interesting um, different place where we sell this land. And so what he's talking about is giving such a high value and being able to achieve it so quick. So we're able to finance this land. And most people, whenever they buy land and they're buying on a mortgage, they think about like 30 years. So we're able to do it in five years and we're able to finance people who don't have good credit. So we just totally put ourselves into a different market. So that's a lot of what he's talking about. Let's go ahead. And for those of you who don't know the difference between effort and sacrifice, effort is what someone has to do that they don't want to do that they weren't doing before they started working. It. So that's something. So that's effort. Manny talks fast, so I'll try to slow it down. <laughs> the effort that he's talking about is what someone was doing before they started working with you. I talk about paying rent. People don't like to be paying rent. Before they met me, before they were buying land with us, they were paying rent. So that's the effort. With you. Sacrifice is when they have to stop doing something that they enjoy doing that they were doing before they started working with you that they can no longer do. It's okay, so that's sacrifice. So that means whenever we uh, sell people land, they have to make a sacrifice. So they have to uh, move out into the country. They live off grid. It's, it's a whole different lifestyle. We don't have county water, county sewer. We don't have power. There's no trash pickup. Um, there's not a school or a bank or a pharmacy or a doctor. And there are 11,000 lots out there. So we have a huge amount of space for expansion for the people to uh, move out there and to grow the population. And uh, those are some of the issues that we're bumping up against as we're doing that. So let's see what Alex has to say. So the idea is how can I limit, eliminate the effort and sacrifice, cut the time in half, and then increase the perceived likelihood that they're going to achieve the result that they want. Okay, so this is what I was talking about, about these equations that he's always presenting. So he's got these equations and they're not like you can plug in the numbers to them, but also they're, they're concept equations. So he's going to explain the whole thing. He goes pretty fast. And a lot of the people who, have, who are watching this podcast that I think he's doing um, already are familiar with this concept. So this is kind of like a review and a coaching of the concepts he's, he's already put out. And uh, so the book that he has that he's talking about right here, it's called $100 million offers. He wrote this book and he put it on Amazon for 99 cents because you have to at least charge something. So the big uh, pitch that he always puts in his videos is that he, um, you know, the, the book is free. He's giving it away and he's giving away all this information for free. And so let's go back to the video. 
And so that was kind of the basis. I mean, in general, if there was one summary picture for the book in terms of how to create value, it's the value equation. And so the remainder of the book is basically the execution, the tactics around how do we actually do this? How do we create a dream outcome that's appealing to the person, right? Making a million dollars for most men is more appealing. Okay, so for us, the dream outcome that we're setting is being able to own a piece of land. So, so many people that we work with, that we talk to, and we were in this category just a few years ago, have a belief that land ownership in Hawaii is just so far out of their possible reach. It's just not even in the, the con, it's not even in our concept, you know, it's not even our conceptual construct, so to speak, you know, some big words, but that dream outcome is to be able to own an acre of land in Hawaii. That's that dream outcome. We already found a ton of people who already had that dream. So that kind of comes built into our product and market and what we're doing. Then being more handsome. Not saying that they don't want both, but they probably want one more. And in a, in a real way, a lot of guys would spend $500,000 to make a million dollars, but probably wouldn't spend $500,000 to be more handsome. Or maybe they would, but it depends on their income, right? Perceived likelihood of achievement. I'll give you an example here. So if, if you guys were, if you had your, if for, I see a lot of guys on here, but if your wife were getting up. Okay. So he's talking about perceived likelihood of achievement now. So let's talk about that. What does that mean? Whenever we were just talking about that dream outcome. People, you know, there's this dream that um, I'd love to own an acre of land in Hawaii. Well, the perceived likelihood of achievement kind of gets really low whenever you start talking about the price. Can you make it over here? Can you uh, make it work on an agricultural piece of land? So there becomes uh, the price, the financing and the insurance becomes a big, huge problem, specifically in this one subdivision. So this is what I've been addressing on the more like meta level. How do we tailor a product for our customers? so that they have that dream outcome because that's what our, we already have the customers our customers already have a dream outcome of owning one acre of off-grid land in hawaii so that's our avatar that's our that's their dream outcome so we have to figure out what is their perceived likelihood of achievement like i said right now very low so we'll let him go on plastic surgery or you're getting plastic surgery whatever he's talking right? about two an exa his example the same, they're going to do the exact same surgery on you right the outcome's the same now so i'm i'm controlling for the outcome and showing you a different piece of the value equation if one of them was about to do their first surgery ever out of medical school and the he's making an example he says if you had the choice to choose between these two surgeons the other one was on their 10,000th surgery in their career which of them would you rather work with this one which one would you rather pay more this one you probably asked this guy to pay you because you were his first surgery, right? And so in a very real way, the perceived likelihood of achievement increases the value independent of the actual service being delivered. And so that is why it's the second thing. Now, most marketers focus all their attention on the top side of the equation. This is what I did for the first few years of my career when I was at my gyms. And this is the same thing we did. We, we found a, the avatar, which is the customer, and we figured out what their dream income, outcome, sorry, what their dream outcome was. And so we were, you know, we we're pitching that because here's the thing. We'll get to this. He'll talk about it later. The reason we knew what this avatar was, who this avatar was, what the dream outcome was, is because we were the customer. All we did is make a product that was so perfect for us and and have it for other people as well, because we pretty much found this product and it wasn't there wasn't much out there. Uh, there wasn't much. There weren't any other outlets selling this same product. So we be, became the outlet selling the same product. And here we are back to Alex.
wrestled weight loss. And then even in the beginning of gym launch, it was all about how much money you're going to make and then fuck loads of testimonials. How much money you're going to make, fuck loads of testimonials. Yeah, there are other ways to increase perceived likelihood of achievement, which is kind of goes back to that flash roll argument I was saying earlier, which is here are all the things that you didn't even think about that I have already handled. Okay, so this part of his, he's talking about uh, in his consulting, what he does when he's setting the price high and setting the perceived likelihood of achievement is you let them know, look, I'm an expert at this. I've already been through it. And so a way to raise the perceived likelihood of achievement for your customers is to show, look, I'm an example. I went through this. I did it. And here's my, you know, you're like me. You can, you can do it too. And so if you, this is, this is a, a classic, uh, uh, sales strategy that kind of kind of broken down in some real technical terms. But if you think about the folks who do like the weight loss thing and jump online and, and say, look, here's the dream outcome, have a six pack. Do you have a perceived likelihood of achievement? It might be kind of low. Well, look, you're just like me and I did it. That brings up the perceived likelihood of achievement. Back to Alex. Uh, on your journey that you didn't even foresee, which then shows my expertise that I know what I'm doing. And so the goal is to increase these as much as possible. You want the top side higher. Now, the second half of the equation are the detractors. In, in a very real way, in my opinion, the bottom side of the equation is actually more powerful in persuasion than the top side. And the reason is because it's very easy to make claims. It's very easy to talk about the dream outcome, right? But it's much more difficult to actually decrease the time delay, which is why for us, one of the major KPIs we've always had as a company is how much cash someone generates in the first 14 days working with us. Okay, so for us, what we were trying to do is the time delay is a 30-year mortgage. So a lot of people are like, okay, well, I hate renting. And then they think about a mortgage and they go, well, 30 years, that's, I might as well be renting. This is, this is the concept that we were working through as we were marketing to this avatar, which is us. So what we did is we took our own our own concepts and as we're growing out of them, we kept uh, notes and we kept remembering and we kept paying attention and we kept in touch with ourselves, our own avatar, even as we grew. So we would keep that, uh, that language and that communication. Um, and so that's how we did it. Back to Alex. Right. And so for us, we drive towards that equation. And for us right now, for example, the average cash collected in the first 14 days is 15,500, right? For our clients, that is the average, right? And so with that, I can have a big outcome in the first, you know, 14 days. So they have a very short time delay between when they. Here's another thing we did. So we wanted to get, uh, um, it, we weren't doing this specifically, but it wound up working out for us also. Um, People wanted to be able to move on to lots right away. A lot of people were, you know, there were some sales programs out when we first started, and there probably still are some of our competitors who still use this sales technique. What they'll do is they'll say, uh, yeah, you can make payments on it for, you know, two years, three years, whatever, however long it is. And you're not allowed to build or live on it or do any construction or excavation until you finish paying it off. Then we turn the deed over to you and you can do whatever you want to the property. Well, this was kind of tough for people. So we took away that entire time delay and we made it as soon as you can put your down payment and make your first month's rent, you can move on to the property, you can build, you can excavate, you can get on there. And so we took away that time delay. When they buy something, when they begin to start experiencing the results, right? And so I'll give you a simple way of providing value. Look at what everyone else is doing in the market and do it in half the time, right? If all of a sudden, for example, as an extreme version of this, 
I were to say, hey, I'm selling a weight loss product. I use weight loss because everyone understands it. All right. And as soon as you click this, you look at you, you, you pull your shirt up and you have a six pack, right? You buy my six pack program, you click purchase and you have a six pack immediately. And see, we, we're sort of on that same path. We got it to where you can shop online, apply online, get your contract online, and even make your payment online. So we've got it to where somebody can, within 24 hours, find a piece of property, apply for it, sign your contract for it, and make your first payment, and be able to move on to a piece of land like that, 24 hours. So exactly what he's talking about is exactly what we've been working on to hone our product and get, you know, get the time delay really, really far down. All right, let's go on to the next one. You have to pick and then you have to commit. And then the hardships that you experience are the things that you have to perceive, or at least for me, that I perceive as barriers that no one else will go through. Okay, so what he's talking about now is is uh, committing into um, one business and stopping being diversified in so many things. And this is, once again, exactly what we're going through in our business. We've been um, selling portions of our different interests, interests in commercial projects, storage, some of the things we've been working on for quite a while. And, um, you know, we went through exactly what he's talking about. Diverse, oh, we want to diversify. We want to do this kind of project also and this and that. And it seems so great. And hey, that different asset class is really great. And it's really stable and all this kind of, and we need to get involved so we can be, you know, counter cyclical in our investing and hedge against any kind of, you know, economic this and that. It's a lot of words. It's just a bunch of words. And so we got rid of a whole bunch of that and we focused on down. And so let's hear what Alex has to say about it. Barriers that when I encounter them, once I solve them, someone else who comes behind me will encounter them and not know how to solve them. Okay. So this is, this is it. We've been working on this same, just selling lots for, let's see, six years specifically, just specifically this kind of selling lots and we've gotten so good at it. It's super easy. That's why we're interested in, you know, storage and different asset classes and, you know, locking up all these deals. So instead of that, we're doubling down. And, um, and the more of these rungs that I pass, the more difficult it is for someone to. And so since we've already been doing it for six years, he's talking about these rungs, these, these, uh, barriers we've already crossed that somebody new to get into the business would have to go through now. So whenever I look at, setting up these four entities, the bank accounts, the e-pay that goes with it, the merchant account that goes with it, the websites, linking it together with the DocuSign, linking it together with the uh, website so that it all goes together. Somebody else has to go do all that to catch up to where I am now. And so if I go off into some other asset class, all of this work that I've been putting in is kind of like getting, it's like abandoning this great job that I've done of building all this whole huge infrastructure to go jump off to some different new project. And so I love the way he talks about it, that instead of jumping off to something new, pay attention to what I've already built. And it's, it's a huge barrier to entry to anybody else, anybody else who wanted to see what I'm doing now and get in. It's a humongous barrier to entry. I mean, just even the insurance and the, the excavation. Well, we'll let Alex, Alex talk. Achieve the same thing. And so at, at, at any of the markets, I tend to ask when people come to me, I say, what, like, let's say somebody's making $5 billion a year. I would just ask them because they're like, hey, man, I'm thinking about switching, about switching markets. And I'm like, well, why? And they're like, well, I want to make more money. And I'm like, cool. 
I'm like, well, why don't you just double your business? I, uh, we recently looked at one of our commercial deals. That's probably going to take about uh, two years to finish up. And we started looking at it and we, we did all the numbers. We did all the numbers. We did all the numbers. And then we just, uh, compared that, you know, our, our possible gross that we could possibly make as our company at the end of the day, if we just double the amount of lots we have, it would be that same amount of money because all of our front end expenses don't exist. The, the economy is a scalar kicking in now. So the back end, you know, where all the cost is on the front end. Now we have all this profit here. So let's hear Alex. And still have one business. And then inevitably with enough questions, it's the answer becomes because I just don't know how, right? It's like, well, then let's solve that problem and then grow the business rather than just feed our egos and have a quick win because you have a couple DMs of people who said they want general business coaching, which will then inevitably flounder once you get into the real space against dudes who make way more money than you are much better at business. And so like the reason you niche down is because you don't want to, you don't want to fight against bigger competitors. There is a time to become Tony Robbins, right? But most people aren't there. And so it's much better to cater your marketing and your messaging and your product to an individual and in so doing provide outsized returns in value, which you can then capitalize on. Outsize returns in value. That's what I've been really, I'll tell you what, whenever I really understood what he was talking about there, that caught me and I was like, I got to understand that the outsized returns in value for the customer. Okay, see, we're in investments and we work with all these investors. So we're constantly thinking about outturns of outsized returns for our investors because we think of our investor customers. We don't think about, about like our buyer customers on the real estate side as much. And so I'm really getting an advantage in real estate by paying attention to this recurring, recurring revenue model. And really what it's about is giving the, the higher value product, the really highest value product possible. And he'll go into that a little bit more. Right. If I had a generic Facebook ads program five years ago, I might have made a few million dollars. But because I was able to say, hey, I'm going to copy and paste this. Here's every fucking step of this process to turn eyeballs into Sorry about the language immediately because I didn't have to tailor it. Right. Everything out of the box was exactly the way it needed to be for that. What he's saying is he's already built the infrastructure of his business. And so once you get to this, seems like it's real common. I hear it from a lot of my you know friends that are in the in different business and and kind of podcasters and such that you get to a certain point and it's almost like you get too good at it. You get so good at it that you start looking for all these different challenges. And so that's kind of a story we tell ourselves. And it's really kind of helpful, I think, to listen to the way that Alex talks about it here. Hormozy talks about it saying, you know, you're just scared because you don't know how to do the next thing. You don't really know how to grow to the next level. So you're scared. So you run to something that's easy, which is starting over. You know how to start a business and grow it to this level. And so we each reach up to that level and then, you know, get there. And I've done it a hundred times. Go start a new and get to that level. Start a new and get to the next level. Prospect, right? So nothing else needed to change. Whereas the more wiggle you have, in your product because it's individualized and, and variable between markets and avatars and things like that, then all of a sudden your, your value drops because you can provide, because you're providing less of it in a very real way. Because otherwise every single one of the clients should have a personally catered uh, program, but you can't do that because you're not committing to a niche. Yeah. Chris just said, there's so much to unpack here. It hurts. Um, there, there was someone here that I know that's uh, been an alpha. Yeah. So this is the fellow who's hosting the podcast. I'm going to, I didn't get his name, so I'll just have to uh, post it whenever I get it. 
But anyway, he was hosting the podcast with Hormozzi and he's asking him some questions. Let's this impacts again. the very end of their sales and marketing process and that short time at the end of a call where we go, I think I can help. Would you like me to share a bit more about what the... So yeah, let's go on to the next video. It might take a second to pull up. Let's see, let's try it again. There's me. How about this one? Is it going to play? We'll skip to the next one and see what Alex has to say in this video. And so the idea is how, how few of these pieces can I peel back versus the other extreme, which is, hey, buy my thing. Maybe you get results. Maybe you don't. I don't care. I got paid either way. It's okay. It's your fault. It's your fault. <laughs> he's talking about if you're doing coaches a lot of times. So he's like, okay, well, this is what's a ton of, ton of products are like this. And I have this exact same situation. That's why I keep talking about what this fella is talking about. Okay. So there's plenty of landlord sellers, whatever, whose uh, concept is you're buying a piece of land. You go get the survey, you figure it out. And, and that's exactly, that's after, you know, of course, after you start making the payments, you know, and so I didn't want to be like that. So I kept, I've been just like really feeding my, my buyers and my customers and not letting them walk all over me and forcing me to do a lot of free work, but it's really uh, easy to, you know, put them off to surveyors or put them off to excavators and really help them out to where they have value because what happened to me? I, whenever I bought a piece of land on payments, I started calling the guy and I was like, well, where's the boundary and where's the this and how do I do this? And then, ah, well, you bought a piece of land, so you figure it out. And so that's what Hermosi is saying here. He's, he's talking about there's plenty of competition that's out there that's going to get this. Any competition, any any business, whatever it is you're doing in the world, you you probably have some competition out there whose attitude is you bought the thing. I did my best. If you don't like it, whatever, it's your fault. And so this is a different way to think of it. I've been approaching it this way. It's been working out great. Which is for the most part, most coaching offers. Think about that, right? And if you're like, man, I'm not confident enough that we're going to be able to deliver on those promises, then fix the fucking product, right? And stop selling the shit you're selling. Well, it's like, then why are you selling it to begin with? If you can't have the strong offer and the strong guarantee behind it, then the product sucks. Then you're never going to make a ton of money because the product sucks. And you're never going to be able to outmarket it. And here's a mind fuck for you. All right. So I told you that you have a compound. There's six channels, right? And one of them. All right. He's about to start talking about uh, marketing. And so what you got uh, here, already broken, broken this down early in the video. He talked about the six different uh, channels of marketing you got earned. You got um, paid. You got, uh, I can't remember them all. I was, I was, uh, my mind's in this right now, but anyway, the, the one that he's talking about that's really important is the one that uh, we're getting involved in and it's the one that's been working very well for us. And it's word of mouth. And everybody talks about word of mouth, word of mouth. Well, how do you make word of mouth? Let's talk about it. Compounds and it's quadratic. The reason, the other reason so many of the people end up fizzling and popping when they become gurus is because the word of mouth marketing that is working against them outpaces them. They sold enough people and enough people told enough people about how much their shit sucked that no one responds to their ads anymore. Now that's what's happening to my competition now. Because we were all sort of doing the same thing, you know, kind of low value. You bought it, you figure it out. I don't care. Make your payment. I don't care. If you can't make your payment, get out, whatever. And so we were able to just like, just overshadow the entire market by offering, you know, you can pay online. 
you can go to the bank and pay, call us, we'll email you, we'll text you. We have all these services. I'm getting it set up within the next month. People will be able to pay for their off-grid land at CVS with a QR code on their phone. They just get it scanned. They pay in cash. It goes automatically to my bank. The accountants get it. It goes into our accounting system. Everything's automatic. It's done. And so this is the infrastructure that I'm talking about. This is what I've been building for all this time that we're not just pushing to the side anymore. Now we're, we're letting the economies of scale really start to take over now. Let's go back to Alex, see what he's talking about. Because you either have a positive quadratic force behind you that is just feeding you every day, or you have a negative quadratic force behind you. But the word of mouth is always happening. It's just whether you're controlling it or not, or whether you know about it or not. And so anyways, I just wanted to touch on that based on the last. Okay. So the, the way we're dealing with that is we're just forcing so much value over what the price is. So there's the cost of what it costs us. There's the price we sell it for, and then there's the value. And so what we've been able to do is we got the cost of our goods super, super low. We got their costs way down. And so we could bring the price way down and we could leave the value way up. Cause look how much money we have to put back into value. We have that much more money to put back into website collecting at CVS, the, the emailing system, the texting system, the collection system that's all online and automated. We can put back in all the value. We're about to start adding in renter's insurance. And so we're just adding in value, 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 packing it on the top of what the price is, the price we charged and the value. We just keep pushing that value up until it's just, I like the way he talks about it. Harmozy calls it. You just want it to be just like unreasonable. They would just absolutely feel stupid. Just like they would feel absolutely foolish for saying no to your offer. Let's go back, see what he has to say next. That is going on on your behalf behind the scenes. And um, one of the okay, he said you you have to have uh, a marketing campaign going on in the back behind the scenes. That's the word of mouth campaign that he's talking about. You got to have that that background campaign going. He he goes into it some more. The questions that I think is very haunting, but I think is very powerful is right now. If I, if I were the god of, of marketing, right, Thor god of marketing, right, and I said, right now, you can get no more customers from any, any, any acquisition methods you're using, all right? So you can't, do, you can't do affiliates, you can't do paid ads, you can't do reach outs, you can't do any of that stuff, all right? The only way you can get new customers is if your existing customers bring you more customers. Holy moly. In my business, that's um, that's a scary thing because nobody, you know, they don't think about these people after they they sell them a piece of land or whatever. There's there's tons of, let's talk about like um, buy here, pay here, tote and note type car sales type places. That's the type of competition that I have, and those the the folks who are in this industry also probably have those types of business also. And so a lot of times there's a part of the business that has to do with like uh, foreclosures and evictions and kicking people out and keeping the land like, you know, we, we it's called churn. It's a part of something that we deal with with our land. And it's something that some people try to increase the churn and we try to decrease the churn and increase the lifetime value of our customers versus just increasing the churn, which personally I don't think is any good. How different would the experience you have with your customers look if that was the only way you could get new clients? And if you can think right now how different it would look, how much interaction you would have, how much support would be there, how you'd make sure. If you could do nothing else except for market through the person, the last person that you sold your product to, 
That was the only market you could do. The only marketing you could do is through the person, the very last person that you sold your product to. After everyone was successful, then change that now. And then they will come. So going back to that question of giving away too much and this temptation to be really shallow in our marketing and, and kind of flex yeah. our expert muscles, but not enough to actually help people. Yeah. You take a very different approach. Coach us on that. Um, it's kind of like the, the, the age old, like, what happens if I train an employee and then they leave? Like, well, what happens if you never train them and they stay? Then you got a horrible employee. Right. <laughs> and so it just faces the inevitability that you're like, you got to train all your employees, right? Or you got to invest in all your employees. And I think you can use the same kind of thought process, which is, well, 99% of people, what if I give them all this value and they don't buy, right? Well, it's like, what if you give them no value, right? And all they consume is your fluff. And so it's been my opinion that 99% of the marketplace will never buy from you. And so there's the, there's the human side of it and then there's the money side. So first, just touching on the human side of it, I sleep better at night knowing, or at least believing that, more people benefit from the stuff that we give out, right? I feel like that's a net positive, just in general, right? So that, and I think most entrepreneurs I talk to, they say, hey, I wanna make an impact, hey, I wanna help people. To the degree which that's true, I don't know, but whatever, it sounds nice. And so I think that if that is true for you, then why not give away more? Um, and a recent goal for myself as a total tangent, but I'm gonna go for it anyways, is to, is to die the man who gave the most. Um, and that's, uh, maybe I'll never achieve that, but it's a nice goal for me. Um, on the money side, a couple of things. One is if you give enough, you don't have to ask. If you give enough, you don't have to ask. I really like that one. So you've heard of the jab, 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 right hook thing, right? I'm going to tell you a real fucking secret. You can just jab, jab, jab and never right hook and people will just lay down and say you win. The amount of DMs I get a day that offer me between 50 and $250,000 for a day or an hour per day is staggering. I, that's not an offer I have. That's not a thing. And I don't. We've, we've done this in our market too. So, you know, they, they call it, there's this marketing concept, jab, 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 right hook. And it's almost so, sort of like a networking type of thing. Like, uh, you know, you give, 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 and then ask for something. And so what Alex is talking about, I really love this. We practice it as well. We just give, 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 give. We just put more value, put more value, put more value back into our product. And it's been going pretty well sell it right but because there's been enough value that they believe has been I, I there's a threshold that has been met or surpassed and they're like and most people have reciprocity most people are normal people and if they receive something they want to give something back and the idea behind marketing in my opinion is to trigger that in people is how can it give them so much that they would feel unreasonable or guilty to not pay me and I can't tell you the amount of times where I had somebody who read the gym launch book, which is the first book I wrote a few years ago for the gym industry. And uh, they read the book and they're like, dude, your book tripled my business. I, I'm here a year later. And um, I just, I had to, you know, I, I had to see what it, he's like, you could do nothing. And I would just be happy to sign up. Right. And I think that in terms of the fear of giving stuff away, it's pure scarcity. And I'll define that because I think scarcity and abundance are thrown around a lot in the marketing community, but no one actually like defines it kind of like value. And so my definition of abundance is, or being abundant is being someone who cannot be controlled because they need nothing. And so wow. I like that one. Being abundant is being someone who uh, cannot be controlled because they need nothing. That's pretty cool. Oh, man, I want to skip the video. Let me skip right there. And so I'll define again. that because I think scarcity and abundance are thrown around.
about a lot in the marketing community. I'm purely autonomous, which means I don't need to give you anything to get something back because I don't need what you have. And so I think what ends up happening when you do this very value value centric or value first approach is that you inevitably end up playing the long game. The other thing about this is whenever you're whenever you're giving this high, high value for the price that you charge and whenever you're giving, giving, giving without trying to receive, you're making your life better. Like you can wind up making more money because of it and your business can do better and you can have more, you know, whatever comes from your business. But it's also making your life better. Doesn't that sound like a much better life than some of the other? Yeah, sounds like a great life. Good job, Hermosi. And as a further tangent, which hopefully Dan will let me expound upon, I think that one of the most under-talked about concepts in the marketplace is goodwill. And I think that goodwill compounds. And I think it compounds faster than revenue. You can get outsized returns on providing value into a pool of a marketplace. And that goodwill will multiply far faster than your asking will. And if you can hold off long enough, you won't ever need to ask. You can just keep giving. And so the idea of like, when am I giving enough is silly. Like give everything you have. And the reality is that most of the stuff you have, and I'm saying this not as a pejorative statement, I'm saying this just in general, most of the stuff you have might not be that good. And what it will do is it will force you to get better. And if there's ever been like a single consolidated statement of like what Alex believes about making money, it's people just need to be much better than they are. And most people suck at most things they do, especially the things they think they're good at. A lot of you probably would think your competitors are not that good. Your competitors don't think you're that good. And so the question is, how can we, how can we make it so that it's so unreasonable for them to say, like I used to, and this used to be in part of my marketing. I was like, people might say that they don't like our methods. I was like, but no one's ever said Jim doesn't make people money. <laughs> I like that one. Yeah, let's see what he has. I got one more video Man. with Alex. Here. And this is the this is the key part that you were hundred percent qualified to answer on. Get to a million and take home. Okay, so the question he's asking is, um, you know, to get from three to five up to uh, ten million, what is the uh, if you're if you're at about three to five million in revenue per year, how do you get to ten million? What's the what's the tricks? What's the the keys to actually increase and actually have a take home? And Hormozy makes a lot of money. So that's why he's saying you should be able to answer this. Pretty much until about $3 million per year in revenue, um, the advice pretty much holds, which is one product, one avatar, and one channel. And here's what's... And so back to what we were just saying a little bit ago. We're back to one channel, one product, one avatar. That's what we're up to. Hilarious. I'll bet you there's a bunch of people on here who have more than one thing going on. And they're probably also... Uh, yes, Alex. There are a bunch of us that have more than one thing going on. Selling more than one product, they're also selling the more than one avatar. Let's think about this. If you could only pick one avatar to sell to and one product to sell them in only one way or one channel to access them, how much easier would your life be? Man, isn't that easier? We just have the one. Been thinking about that. How much more quantifiable and simple would that feel? Does anyone here even thinking about quitting all the side hustles that they're talking about or the half project that they think might become something? I'm doing these two kind of businesses. I'll see which one works out. The answer is either of them will work out, but neither of them with an N, neither of them will work if you try to do both. I like that. Either of them will work out, but neither of them will work if you try to do both. Wow. Dropping bombs. And so the issue is not even time. 
The issue is attention. You only have so much attention. You only have so much juju, right? There's only so much heat. Uh, and you That's the other thing. Uh, you know, I used to think, oh, I just have this endless amount. And I sort of do have this endless amount of juju and, 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 you know, energy, but, um, you know, what I'm feeling I'm putting out is not what the experience of the outside world is just because I feel that I have this endless boundless, you know, juju inside of me doesn't really mean that it's endless and boundless the way that, um, the way that I really need it to be, to be offering that kind of a product. Okay, let me switch back over here and talk to him. You have too many pans on. The heat's not concentrated enough. And so you got to put the juju on one problem because believe it or not, the guy who's crushing you, that's what he's doing. Yeah, so that's what I'm doing now. Mm, crush. And so you're trying to compete with <laughs> two hands tied behind your back against people who are putting every single ounce of their life into just solving one problem. If you do that, life gets a lot easier. And for me, I would rather make business easier than harder. And so that's kind of the idea is how can we stack the chips in our favor so that it would be unreasonable for us not to be successful. If you only had to solve one problem for one avatar and you only had one way that you were going to approach them, even if you didn't know how that channel worked, even if you weren't perfect to solving the problem, since you only have to do those things, you will with enough iteration solve it. And then the marketplace will reward you. What do you say that people need to keep in mind when it gets to that 1 million in take home, which almost, you know, no one gets to even the people that are in freaking eight figure land are spending 700 K a month on ads. What's, what's important to keep in mind there or what mistakes do people make when not, not making a profitable business? The lifetime gross profit per customer has to be higher. So lifetime gross value per customer has to be higher. So he talks a lot about the value, lifetime value of a customer. And so that's something really important we've been paying attention to also because we have, first of all, we have a, a kind of a high lifetime value of a customer because we're selling land. So even though we're selling it on payments and we're taking our payments monthly and we kind of have a recurring revenue type model for the way we market and structure the, the service, we still are selling land. So that means that we're selling, you know, 50,000, you know, it's a $50,000 ticket. And so, you know, whenever you talk about high ticket closers, we're closing $50,000 uh, deals, I don't know, four times a week or something like that. So let's go ahead. But to go from three to 10, you don't really need to change anything besides making sure the customer is more valuable. You can do that by improving the product and just like if you have a recurring base business. So to go from 3 million a year to 10 million per year, all you got to do is increase the value of the customer. That's what he's talking about. Reducing churn most of the time and optimizing pricing or adding a single. Reducing churn. So um, if you're in real estate, it's more like, you know, 30% churn is kind of high is uh more kind of regular, but we're down at like 3% in our business, 3% churn, you know, a high value, additional, you know, service level. Right. Um, and again, you might think, well, that's adding operational complexity. And the answer is yes, it is adding operational complexity, but people who make $10 million are more skilled than people who make $3 million. Yeah. And so that is a skill that you need to acquire, you know, in the path of getting there. Are there uh, exceptions? Absolutely. But these are kind of, I would say broad based for, and I'm talking specifically to high ticket coaches who are in a niche, Usually going from three to 10 million is going to include increasing the lifetime value of the customer in some way, either by introducing a backend or keeping them longer. The other piece of it from introducing a backend. So, you know, he's talking about high end, high ticket coaches. And so this is like life coaches and business coaches and stuff like that. So we sort of have a product that's a little bit like that. That's why I've been talking about we have a product, we have a service product, we have a monthly recurring revenue service product. Our service is you get to live on this piece of land. But it is a piece of real estate. It has the, the strength 
has that stability and the the conservative long term, you know, uh, stability and in uh, projected increase in value of real estate in it. But it also we have this recurring revenue model, um, high amount of income. So, for example, the current you know portfolio that's kind of our rock star portfolio right now, we paid. A little bit under three hundred thousand dollars, and it makes about twenty thousand dollars per month right now. So imagine going out and investing and buying a house for three hundred thousand dollars that generates a gross revenue of twenty thousand dollars per month. That's what we're able to do with this type of a product because we're not selling land as much as we are selling a service. So let's get back to it. What you were saying earlier is that. If you have to spend that much money on marketing, you use the products. Last question I have for you, Alex, because it's a big question. Why did you write the book and what's your new mission if it's not helping gyms be super profitable? Yeah. So right now we're just helping businesses that are doing about 5 million and up um, get to, you know, 30, $50 million a year because now we've done it four times um, in the businesses that we own hundred percent of. And so now we're just doing it and participating. Um, in it. So we just invest in those companies. We basically function as um, a makeshift exec team. So we've got a CFO, COO, there's me, we have VP sales. And so all of those things basically function because usually at that $5 million level, the issue is you don't have enough talent, not enough experience. And so we can just go inject those in and then de-bottle back all the things that we know because we've done that so many times. And that's one of the things that we're doing. And, and of course, we're not doing it at the $5 and $10 million level that um, that he's talking about. That's the end of the videos I have from him. So we're doing that exact same thing he's talking about. We're going in and being able to inject our talent and experience because we've become talented at living off grid. We've become talented at knowing where the, the resources are to be able to use whenever you live off grid and you buy a piece of land. You know, like we know who the excavators are. We know who the surveys are, surveyors are. We know who the contractors are who will come and build. We, we know the people who will come and haul off cars. We know the people that will build the rock wall because we've been doing it and we were these avatars also. So what he's talking about is that talent and experience we're able to inject into our customers. So whenever our customers come and they they need all this, we have that talent and experience now. And so that's what you get from quite a bit of time doing the same thing. And um, that's one of the thing, things I'm going to be talking about moving forward is uh, these repetitive habits. I, I keep talking about repetition, habits. Uh, having a schedule, all that kind of thing. One of the next books I'm getting is uh, The Daily Laws by Robert Greene. If you're not familiar, Robert Greene is the author of The 48 Laws of Power, The Art of Seduction, The Art of War, um, The Daily Laws, The Art of hum- or hu- the Rules of Human Nature, maybe, Laws of Human Nature. I'll have to check. I haven't read that one yet. It's on the way. And so, and a book called Mastery. So I bought the entire collection. I had a couple of his books before and they got uh, destroyed in a move in my uh, gypsy style life that I had a couple of years ago. And uh, so I'm really excited to get all of his books again. I'm going to get the whole entire, like I said, I got the whole collection. I ordered it all. Uh, I can't wait for it to get here. Come on, Amazon. And so as soon as that gets here, I'll probably be sharing some of the, uh, it's called the Daily Laws. So what he did is he worked with this other author named Ryan Holiday, who's pretty much his protege. Another uh, historic, what, what does he call himself? A historical documentarian author, and they're both really good at it. Ryan has a thing called the Daily Stoic that's pretty good. You should check that out if you if you're into that kind of thing. And it's a daily, you know, 
daily readings and, and, and ideas and concepts from some of the Stoics of ancient history and past and such. So that's really good. Anyway, back to what I was talking about was Robert Greene. I'm going to start reading his, his uh, daily laws. I'll probably be having some of that available here on the channel. I'll read some of those, uh, some of those passages. So I actually stole my little sign off thing, my introduction to myself from that guy that was on here before, uh, Alex Harmozy, that guy yeah, right there. So I stole my little sign off, my little thing from him. And uh, so what I say is, if you don't know me, my name is Alex Alexander. I'm the chief investment officer and portfolio manager of Integrity Portfolio Management here in Kailua, Kona, Hawaii. We sell agricultural land in Hawaiian Ocean View Estates, and we give away these videos for free. We don't have any sort of a kit or anything like that, any sort of a program. Um, but I think that there's quite a few people out there in the world. They don't know how to stop being broke. And when I was in that position, I watched a bunch of videos like this, gathered up a bunch of information and changed my life. And I think you can do the same thing if you're in that situation. And if you're in a great situation, I'm real thrilled for you. And I hope that something I've uh, passed on improves your life and makes your day wonderful. From Kailua, Kona, Hawaii, this is Alex Alexander. Aloha.